0: Hello, I am Bob Mooney. I am a Bible teacher in the local body of Christ, and I have been an interim pastor of a home church for a number of years. I hope you find these Bible lessons a blessing and of practical value. Well, this is our first lesson in studying the book of Habakkuk. And in today's lesson, we'll look at some of the history, the date and the setting of this book. And then we'll look at verses 1 through 11 in the first chapter. Well, the author of this book is relatively unknown except for his name. And his name meant to hold, to fold one's hands or to embrace. His name meant to fold one's hands or to embrace. Either to embrace as an ambassador or to be embraced as if, in this case, by God. It was suggested by rabbinic tradition that Habakkuk was the son of the Shunammite woman mentioned in 2 Kings 4, whom Elijah restored to health. Although there is no real evidence of this, and is could very well be mere speculation, but what we can safely say about Habakkuk was that he was an officially ordained prophet and was a liturgical singer who was well-educated and he was a deeply sensitive man of God whose literary style was poetic. The date of this book was more than likely 606 to 604 BC. And the setting of this book is quite important. It was written during a time of international crisis and national corruption. It was a time just before Babylon took Judah into exile. Babylon had just emerged as a world power by defeating the countries in the Near East. Regarding national corruption, Josiah was a good king of Judah. But his son, Jehoahaz, who followed his father, reigned for only three months, and he was evil. His brother Jehoiakim was put in place by the conquering Egyptians, and he too was evil. After Je- Jehoahim came into power, Habakkuk wrote his book, After seeing all this corruption Injustice, violence, and greed. Habakkuk asks, why doesn't God do something? Doesn't this sound familiar? As we will see throughout this study, Habakkuk questions are contemporary today as they were in his day. Habakkuk asks two questions of God and he gets two responses from him. His questions of why and with who. What starts with terror ends with trust. What starts with fear ends with faith. We're going to look at this book on four levels. We'll look at it historically. We will briefly look at what was happening in history during his time and to some extent see what the world looked like through Habakkuk's eyes. We'll look at it from our contemporary history. The conditions of Habakkuk's day were very similar to today's headlines. We'll look at it also from the church perspective. What worldview should the church have in experiencing the corruption and injustice of today's modern world? And finally, we will look at it from the believer standpoint. As a believer, today's headlines have a direct bearing on us personally. What response does God require from us well let's start by looking at the first four verses of the first chapter the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received how long Lord must I call for help but you do not listen or cry out to you violence but you do not save why do you make me look at injustice why do you tolerate wrongdoing Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. This section is the first of two what they call lament complaints to God concerning the circumstances of Judah. It seems obvious that Habakkuk had endured much as he cried out, How long? Today, society and the church cry out, How long? How long must violence go unchecked on our streets? How long will corruption and government prevail? How long must the church suffer watching while abortions, immorality, injustice towards Christianity, and prejudiced go on seemingly unchecked. Individuals become angry and anxious because their candidate either didn't win or because they don't agree with the ones in government. Can't God see these injustices? Why do the wicked prosper? If we are truly honest with ourselves, we would probably have to admit we often ask ourselves these questions, just as Habakkuk did some 2,700 years ago. So in the first section, we see Habakkuk, a basically little-known prophet, asking God why? How long? He obviously was a mature man of God, quite possibly a rabbinical Levite singer and a stable man of God with a prophetic vision and voice. If he's asking these hard questions, try to imagine what the average Jew was going through during these trying times. Today's news headlines are very similar, as are the questions society and the church are rightly asking. In our next section, we'll hear God's response, and it will raise even more questions. But Habakkuk is setting the stage for God's direction and what is to be our ultimate viewpoint to our contemporary circumstances. We will eventually see. The Yah view, that is, to see our world from God's perspective. Today, just as in Habakkuk's day, some feel as though God's ears are close to our prayers. Some may feel that God's hands are tied or that he's not acting fast enough to suit our needs. But we need to keep in mind that God sees more than just our own immediate needs and circumstances. He definitely has his own agenda in place. There are a lot of complicated issues in our world today, and we have to admit that we only see a very small part of his plan, if indeed we do want to see it. As our study unfolds, I believe we will see our world headlines from a a fresh, albeit an ancient viewpoint. In the end, Habakkuk sees the Yah view, and my hope and prayer is that we'll be able to see it too. Well, let's move on to verses five through 11. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings, not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people They are a law unto themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on, guilty people whose own strength is their God. In verse 5, in the Hebrew language, there is a plural you in regards to look and watch. It means you look, and you watch, and you be amazed. God is not sleeping. He had a plan, and it was an awesome one. In verse 6, God said that he was raising up the Babylonians, a ruthless and impetuous people. We mentioned earlier that this book was written approximately 606 to 604 B.C., It was a time when King Nebuchadnezzar was over the Babylonians and he came to power in 605 B.C. Habakkuk spends the next six verses describing the terror of the godless Babylonians. If the Jews thought they had troubles before, it wouldn't hold a candle to what was coming. The Jews would eventually go into Babylonian exile from 586 to 516 BC, Habakkuk spends these verses describing the ruthless Babylonians. Today, many would see this as God's harsh judgment on his chosen people, and to some extent it is that way. But we cannot forget, especially in our dispensation of the new covenant, that above all, God loves his people and he wants only the best for them. Imagine God's heart as he had to see his people fall away from him as they would rather follow the injustice and corruption of their culture rather than the care and concern of God. Even more so today after he sent his only son to bear all our iniquities and all our sorrows and to deliver us from sin so that we can have a relationship with him. Imagine God's pain as today the church all too often mixes worldly culture with Christianity. It's a world that uses our culture as a standard instead of His Word. It's not God's judgment that's coming upon us, but the result of removing His standard, His Word, from our lives. Today, just as in Habakkuk's day, we have pushed God out and allowed our culture to rule our lives. In Galatians 6, 7, and 8, Paul wrote, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit reap eternal life. We cannot blame God for our own decisions. We need to follow and live, Romans twelve two, and not to Be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word transformed here is a Greek word, metamorpho, which we get the word metamorphosis from. We're, We're changed, we're transformed into a complete new creature. We, the church, need to stop drifting and get back to the foundation of our Christian faith and allow His Word to be the standard by which we live. Today, God is not, quote-unquote, sending the enemy to bring destruction. We have, through our falling asleep, invited Him in. The church needs to repent and to become, once again, the shining light it's called to be. Did God want to bring the Babylonians down on Judah? Of course not. He didn't raise them up because he he was mean and harsh, but he raised them up to ultimately bring his chosen people back to him. That is why 2,000 years ago, God sent his only son into this world. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the captives free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is why God sent His only Son into the world to save us all from sin and to be able to be united with Him and to have a loving relationship with Him. In the coming lessons, we will see Habakkuk calling for God's people to take their eyes off their circumstances and place them on the one who controls them, and to put their trust in God and not terror. Such a timely message for us today. I hope you have been blessed by this message. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at rmooney at carolina.rr.com. And thank you for listening.